listening to Caring for Cleft, an audio series that tells stories of comprehensive cleft care around the world. Caring for Cleft is brought to you by the team at Transforming Faces. It is hosted by Executive Director Hugh Brewster. Twenty years ago, treatment options for a child born with a cleft or an opening in their lip or the roof of their mouth in a typical East African village were very limited. Parents would often have to wait for a team to fly in to a nearby city to conduct a brief surgical mission. They would be incredibly grateful if their child was healthy enough to receive a free surgery, but as the foreign volunteers packed up and returned home after a week or two, there really wasn't an easy path for post-operative care, nor to help their child learn to speak clearly or address their significant dental and orthodontic needs. Even with a successful surgery, a child's ability to experience full rehabilitation and inclusion into her home or school or community would still be in doubt. In light of these challenges, today's episode of Caring for Clef focuses on an area of burgeoning hope and progress, the inspiring efforts of a growing number of surgeons based in East Africa who have become strong advocates for comprehensive cleft care for all. My name's Hugh Brewster, and I'm the Executive Director of Transforming Faces. And to begin, I'd like to introduce you to Dr. Makana Neshete. Dr. Neshete is a plastic and reconstructive surgeon and the leader of a cleft lip and palate program at Yekatit 12 Hospital in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. Yekatit 12 is the only comprehensive cleft center in Ethiopia, a country of well over 100 million, and an active partner with NGOs like Transforming Faces, Smile Train, and Project Harar. Dr. Oshete recalls some of the early challenges he faced when he was pursuing his medical education. Uh, the process was uh, really difficult. I, you know, I, I am from a rural area, mm-hmm. from a farmer family. Uh, when I passed my exam, uh, school living certificate exam, I was enrolled uh, to the university at, uh, just down here at uh, Ratskilo University. Here in Addis? In Addis, yeah. You know, the first time I went uh, from a rural area uh, to a town is I went to Bishoftu. My family are living very close to Bishoftu. Uh, that was the first time when I saw electricity, light, and everything. And that's uh, Bushoftu is about an hour outside of Addis now, yes? Uh, yeah, an hour now. But from my uh, parents' house, um, there's no, uh, there is no road I can drive to my father's house uh, with some difficulty. And it was, it was uh, I don't know, you don't, you don't, uh, it's very difficult for me to explain to you the feeling when you, it's, uh, when you are coming from a rural area where there are few people, everybody knows each other, and to a big town, and there's a university, big community, it was no, life was not easy, uh, it was really difficult. While the transition from village life to the bustling metropolis of Addis Ababa was already a challenge for students like Dr. Oshete, many of the best and brightest medical students had no option but to travel overseas to access specialized training, such as the specialized surgery that a baby born with a cleft requires. Dr. Oshete successfully engaged a, a new culture and a new language in the former Soviet Union 
And unlike many of his peers who pursued careers abroad, Dr. Achete chose to return home upon graduation to serve his own country. While separated by two decades and 2,000 kilometers, our next guest shares the same passion as Dr. Achete for caring for local children born with a cleft lip and palate. He, however, was among the first generation of Ugandans to be able to develop world-class plastic surgery expertise close to home. George William Galiwango, I'm a doctor trained in Uganda, a graduate of the Great Makere University, and then a proud graduate of the College of Surgeons of East, Southern, and Central Africa in plastics and reconstructive surgery. Going through high school, we all do sciences, that kind of thing, because you're doing well in your maths and sciences. So you all sign up to go to the university to study medicine. Uh, but um, there was a little twist in the story there. I was playing lots of sport, and uh, somewhere in the vacation of S6, just before university, I injure my hand, taking a catch, cricket catch, and I get a web space laceration. So it was switched up by a doctor who said, you know what, I'm not doing a great job, but a hand surgeon who's usually a plastic surgeon would do a better job. So there and then, before joining medical school, I had something to hit at, plastic surgery. So I went through medical school and most of my colleagues will remember that I wanted to be a plastic surgeon. There was no training at all in Uganda at that time. There was only two plastic surgeons that weren't doing plastic surgery because there wasn't kit or space in the country then. But I finished medical school, then went up to the northern part of Uganda where there was lots of general surgery and a few visiting AMREF plastic surgeons. And they came out to do postpone contractures and cleft lip and palate. Mm -hmm. So um, I saw what they did and then came back home and uh, went with a rotary club which my father was a president of that year, they invited a team of interplast surgeons from Holland. They did cleft lip and palate surgeries, and they invited me to go along with them to the theater. And then, then the dream was, I just needed to find training mm. in plastic surgery. Right. Then uh, my colleague, senior colleague here at Kosu, who was coming out from the UK to start up a practice in Uganda, I joined him and then trained through the College of Surgeons. and. Here I am, and that's a story that's, what, 12 years long? Over the dozen years that Dr. Galiwango has been a plastic surgeon, the landscape has undergone a dramatic transformation. It's estimated that by 2030, half the population of sub-Saharan Africa will be living in cities rather than in rural areas. This will decrease the physical distance that some families affected by cleft would need to travel to a major cleft center such as Comprehensive Rehabilitative Services of Uganda, or KORSU, where Dr. Galiwango practices. However, access to care remains one of several significant barriers families in countries like Uganda or Ethiopia face. Transport and access to uh, basic health care is another that will lead these children to have infections or just generally be sick and then become malnourished. Um, the other would be the insecure family situations uh, when one parent, especially the man, leaves or mistreats the, the, the mother because of having this child as a cleft child. What leads uh, a father to mistreat his wife because of giving birth to a cleft baby? Well, there's some beliefs um, and this has been nationwide uh, stated that some tribes in the country think that a cleft child is a child that was cast while they were in the womb. So they will give some names like a joke and a joke. That is reducing in some instances. What, what does that mean, joke and a joke? It means cast by the gods in the Luo language. 
So that is one of those social things. It's, it's cultural. But the other is that some parents just don't believe that they can have a child that looks abnormal from the rest. And this is not just specific to cleft. Any disability, congenital disability, the, the, the pressure of having someone that's not looking like the rest of the children, they feel that they're not their child. So some will accuse the wife, the mother, of infidelity. That, that that's not my child we don't have that in our family mm. others are just plainly do not like someone that's um, disabled in the child or looks abnormal even uh, so we need a lot of sensitization on disability and congenital abnormalities because in many instances one might say that a cleft lip and palate may not really be a disability because once it's repaired that's it but there are others that are long term and will lead to um, more long term disabilities or effects on their lives. The family was got a cleft child, the suffering is enormous. Number one, there is lack of knowledge, lack of understanding that this is really a repairable condition. There is a possibility for this knowledge gap is there. And the other thing is that this is a congenital anomaly which can happen to anybody. So some people take it, this is because of something or they are seen or so it's their behavior, it's their sin, Yes. it's a curse, something has gone wrong that caused this ha to happen. Exactly. So this has to be changed. Again, it's a knowledge gap. It's hard to overstate the importance of local surgeons alongside other local cleft professionals, such as social workers and speech therapists, in combating the misconceptions and knowledge gaps about cleft and in providing contextually appropriate supports and recommendations for rehabilitation. Being able to speak a local language, being able to point to patients from a child's own community who have successfully gone to school or gotten married, and in building caring relationships that can span a patient's whole childhood. Local experts, like Dr. Ashete and Dr. Galiwango, have many strengths to draw upon when meeting a mother who fears that her child has been given a death sentence. The look on the nurse's face or the midwife, when, if they're not exposed to these cases will actually be the starting point for that mother for their strife and then going back home then the relatives we live in very social environments here in africa that might actually expose this mother to to negative if um looks or even comments by the rest of the family so and then when they go to um, hospitals especially because of lack of knowledge someone doesn't the health care providers do not know what to do with that child and they are tossing them here and there to seek for professional help. Um, that leads them to struggle quite a bit from the very beginning. Every club professional I've met regularly reflects upon the stories that inspire their passion to see children experience full rehabilitation. Some stories are heartbreaking but they serve as a motivation for professionals who have dedicated their careers to caring for families affected by cleft. There was a, once I, uh, there was a patient, uh, it's actually not yet a cut, it we operated at St. Luke's Hospital, it's a Catholic missionary hospital. Uh, it was a girl around uh, 12 or 13 years, she doesn't know her exact age. We have treated her, uh, it was uh, really, the cleft was not really that severe. Uh, and then when, after the surgery, 
the father is crying. And then, you know, it is a surprise. Uh, you should be happy she's operated. You know, what you were saying was uh, her mother uh, committed suicide because of this girl. When she see, uh, you know, she has a cleft child, she was able to hide the, the child until her, uh, 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 when she is going to church for christening. So then everybody will see. So that day she committed her suicide and he was crying. Uh, it was, uh, it was, uh, it was good if she lived to this day to see that this is, uh, this could be repaired. That is one very touching history. The biggest effect a cleft child or family had on me was about 10 years ago, when after I had performed a cleft repair, there were few nurses around and I returned the baby to their mother and the mother couldn't take them. And I was trying to hand the child to the mother. Mother said no, and she started weeping. She would look at the child and then cry. And I was baffled. Then she just exclaimed, thank you very much. This is not my baby. And I'm like, no, this is your baby. She didn't believe this was possible. That's why she was so overwhelmed by emotion. She could not bring herself to hold the baby. She said her arms were weak. She could not hold the baby. So we kept, we stood there until she calmed down, received her baby. But that, that memory will never get out of my head, ever. She was so thankful she didn't have to give me a hug or money or anything. Just that expression of happiness in the strangest form that it was is something that will no, never leave me. With leaders like Dr. Ashete and Dr. Galiwango at the forefront, and in partnership with NGOs like Smile Train and Transforming Faces, more children in East Africa are receiving long-term cleft care closer to home. Dr. Galiwango explains how Korsu Hospital has embraced comprehensive cleft care. Yes, Korsu uh, by name as anyway is Comprehensive uh, Rehabilitation Services in Uganda. Uh, we believe in a more comprehensive approach to cleft care services to the clients with clefts that come to us, mainly because it's not just surgery that is important to the cleft patient. It is how the patient gets to the hospital, how they are treated at the hospital, what actually happens at the hospital, how they feed, assessments for hearing, speech, surgical, dental. Then they have the surgery, then post-op care which includes um, starting from the theater, the intraoperative care, post-op care on the ward by the nurses. Again, nutrition will come in, counseling continues, um, and then therapy for speech might be one of those that come in at the end of that. Mm -hmm. Finally, they will have some orthodontic services, and maybe some maxillofacial towards the end of their teenage years. So a comprehensive approach to the cleft patient is something that we find very important as Koso Hospital. The mothers, when they walk in with their children, they are dejected. They've been told, go to Koso, there's hope there, but they, they're, they're not sure because they've never heard of anything like this child could be better. So they walk in and you see them, and many times it's our attitude towards them that kind of is welcoming, but they, they cannot believe that this is going to happen. And then, importantly, that everything is free for them. Mm. So they they're really surprised, but the most shocking to them is when they look at their child after the lip repair especially. The palate repair, they usually do not see what's going in there. They can tell the child is feeding better and then begins to put on weight, but the lip repair, 
is an utter shock to most of them they're like wow what happened god bless you uh, what mm. can i do for you doctor um, mm. thank you and it restores so much hope in the family it restores families most of them have their partners their husbands have left them because they just can't stand having a child with a disability with so much at stake for their patients families dr galiwango and dr ashete's resolve in supporting a comprehensive treatment approach has been instrumental in shaping the cleft teams at Corsu and Yakata 12, respectively. The transition from a cleft surgery-only focus to an embrace of comprehensive care mirrors a gradual but important evolution from reliance on experts from overseas to leadership from local experts in places like Uganda. When I was first introduced to um, cleft care, uh, it was through teams that came from abroad, uh, various countries visiting. I remember Interplast um, Holland, um, there's Interplast UK that come out to go to several parts of the country and they perform cleft care uh, services. They are mainly repairs for the lips. That has morphed into those teams training local surgeons and also those teams inviting local surgeons to train abroad and coming back to provide the cleft care services here to what we have now where the training is happening in country yeah. through master's programs and also um, the fellowships for cleft care, especially at places like Kosu. And interestingly, now we will receive occasionally people coming from abroad to learn from us because of the shared load of cases that we have at Kosu. You're saying complete reversal from the paradigm of you know 20 years ago. It, or... it is beginning to reverse. That's exciting. And we're attracting um, young surgeons and other surgeons interested in cleft coming from Africa as well. For decades, the popular assumption has been that when it comes to cleft care, all the expertise resides in the global north, countries like USA, Canada, UK, and that all the learning needs are in the global south, places like Ethiopia and Uganda. Thankfully, this assumption is now disappearing as leaders like Dr. Ashete and Dr. Galiwango help turn this paradigm on its head. Well, COSU started um, 10 years ago with uh, a single surgeon and then they were joined by myself uh, as a, a young trainee. Along the way, we discovered we cannot do this all by ourselves. The future for reconstructive surgery, cleft surgery was in training and having young doctors, more doctors, and certainly local doctors doing the surgery um, within uh, Uganda. So training is key. Uh, we, have, uh, we are running a master's program as part of Mbara University at Kosu for plastic surgery. So out of that, we're developing plastic surgeons, but also cleft surgeons, which is part of the training. Uh, we do have partnerships with many um, surgeons that come in from abroad, some of them really eminent uh, cleft surgeons that come in here to teach and uh, cleft surgeons, but also to offer master classes, a little bits of um, tidbits there on how to refine clefts, the cleft craft by the team, both the students and the st uh, staff surgeon at Kosu. We have different cases, so our exposure for surgery, to learn surgery properly, your exposure matters a lot. Cases. So our exposure makes us really, um, uh, if not the best, uh, very good surgeons <laughs> and also we are teaching in the university and many people are coming to learn cleft and other surgeries to this unit uh, so we have uh, reasonably uh, good experience in teaching also in the places where this paradigm is shifting 
cleft care providers are able to set their sights on new and innovative ways to provide even more multidisciplinary services to patients and their families. My hopes for cleft care in Uganda is that we will develop a, a more comprehensive service. Um, I should say we do have a fairly comprehensive service, but we can be, be better. And this will include orthodontics, genetic counseling, um, more pediatrics care for the cleft child while they are here, um, improvement in the pediatric anesthesia, speech and language, and um, secondary surgery in the areas of uh, velopharyngeal incompetence. You need to have uh, a team care. In Cleft, it is really about uh, speaking, about being understood, you know, mm. about being uh, going to school. So Cleft uh, really is something uh, uh, which really cannot be managed by a single profession. Multiple professions have to be uh, uh, have to work uh, jointly. Otherwise, you don't you will not be able to bring the change you want to bring. Over the past 20 years, cleft surgeons such as Dr. Oshete and Dr. Galiwango have helped grow new approaches in addressing the needs of children born with cleft. From a primary focus on surgery, often performed by a foreign doctor during a brief mission visit, many more children now have access to local experts who can provide a quality, safe surgery as well as follow-up through a multidisciplinary team throughout their entire childhood. This is a clear and inspiring example of progress, and it deserves to be celebrated. Caring for Cleft is brought to you by the team at Transforming Faces. It is produced by Megan Gilbert with help from Hugh Brewster, Becca Sawyer, and Kari Siebritz. Interviews were conducted by Hugh Brewster. Special thanks to today's guests, Dr. Makana Nashete and Dr. George Galiwango. For more information, please visit us at transformingfaces.org.